0: Welcome to episode 47 of the Rapid Change Matters podcast, a conversation with Boston based hypnotherapist and change worker, Brian Mahoney. My name's Howard Cooper, and for over 14 years now, I've been fascinated with helping people to create personal change quickly. But I still come across many who believe that lasting personal change has to take a long time, consisting of reliving traumas or deep psychological analysis. Or simply that flawed notion that understanding why you have a problem will somehow make it go away. I'm on a mission to get people who work therapeutically with others to shift their thinking and realize that these beliefs are not written in stone. Rapid change can happen. So, to help you open up to what's possible, I'm chatting with top therapists and agents of change who are out there getting real results with real people really quickly. Before we get to the interview, I've got big news. Rapid Change Works is now running live training events, and you can check out the latest events coming up by visiting rapidchange.works, where you can also download a free, quick-to-read PDF on five strategies to amplify your client's response, along with all the information about this episode and episodes still to come. Now, over to the interview. Today, I get to chat with Brian Mahoney. And just to give you a little backstory here, when I interviewed and first connected with Jürgen Rasmussen, Brian was someone that he kept telling me, you've really got to get him on your podcast. He's someone who's not only a great change worker, but he's a wonderful pragmatist. And so with a recommendation like that, Brian, of course, made it to the hit list. Since then, Brian and I have connected and chatted on a number of occasions, which means I'm looking forward to this conversation now more than ever. And for those of you who don't know, Brian runs a full-time hypnotherapy change work practice in Boston since 2004, seeing clients for a wide range of issues, taking pragmatic, solution-oriented approaches, including both traditional Ellman style and Ericksonian hypnosis, along with NLP, provocative therapy, REBT, and more. He's also got a very unusual and intriguing framework for how he charges for his work, which I'm very keen to explore in a little more detail today. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thanks, Howard. It's great to be here. It really is great to have you and uh, really looking forward to this. I'm and, and really hoping we can jump straight in and uh, perhaps set, set the scene a little bit and if you could tell us a little bit about um, who you are, uh, what you do, And how you got started
1: sure Uh, I've had this full-time change work practice since 2004 Uh, I got started because I had um, I had been in more traditional business Uh, I had been with a startup through the 90s we did research for technology public relations people and I had run the technology and uh, research side of the business for a while I oversaw the new business sales for a while and at the home stretch Uh, with that company, I was in this kind of unusual situation where I was managing a small team and we had a tremendous amount of free time in our hands and rather than just have everyone kind of surfing the web all day, uh, what I decided to do was start to do some coaching with these folks and just teaching them some basic things that I had learned along the way from people like Tony Robbins, Dale Carnegie, Stephen Covey, sort of basic sort of personal development, uh, business development stuff. And I just really loved the results that I saw these guys got for themselves, even with my, at that point, very kind of basic amateurish sort of attempts at coaching and teaching them some of the concepts I learned. So I thought that was cool. Uh, When I left the company, I started doing some coaching started getting into nlp a little bit doing some training there pretty quickly realized i was underpowered in terms of uh approaches you know that seemed like the clients i was working with really needed to make some pretty deep changes in order to solve the problems that they had had so that drew me in the direction drew my attention in the direction of more formal hypnosis and uh it was just off and running from there did lots and lots of training for a couple years there and um yeah i've been full-time practice again since 2004
0: and what are the sort of areas that you you, you work with
1: uh, a lot of different varieties of anxiety anxiety phobias panic attacks you know public speaking fear of flying a lot of the kind of uh, classic stuff that you'd think of hypnotists as working with mm-hmm. uh a lot of eating issues um some different compulsions uh nail biting hair pulling things like that uh, sexual issues, sleeping issues, so pretty, a pretty wide spectrum.
0: Okay, and in, and in terms of you, you, you mentioned that you know sometimes people have sort of deep issues. Um, how would you distinguish someone that has,
1: you know, what, what's a deep issue? Uh, at that point, what it would be is the difference between someone who I could help get what they want just by kind of getting organized and setting goals and having some accountability, that kind of stuff versus, okay, every time, you know, I really want to do X, but every time I sit down to do X, uh, my stomach clenches, my palms sweat, and I feel this irresistible urge to get out of my chair and go do something else. That would be deeper issue. The Mm -hmm. former would be more just that, like, okay, let's set some goals and, you know, see how you do putting some structure in around this. And just to be able to do some kind of casual conversational things, more like I think what a lot of more traditional uh, non-NLP hypnosis coaches would do. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, uh, basically, there's sometimes there's some real emotional blocks that I'd see. Mm -hmm. And what I think is interesting
0: is that, you know, you're – certainly in the conversations that we've had – Is that you don't seem totally fixed or married to any particular camp or idea? Uh, You seem to be quite open at going. Well, let's use this, and let's use this,
1: and let's take this, and absolutely. Uh, I don't, I don't have the luxury, frankly, of being able to (laughs) stick to any one approach because so many. You know, I can see two people who. I'll I'll give you an example. I always remember these two clients because they came in with a, within about a week of one another, this is a while back. And on the surface, they presented identically. Uh, they were each senior-level executives, and they were both having panic attacks before they'd go to do presentations. The way I worked with each one of them was completely different. There was no crossover at all in terms of approach. One, we did pretty much all hypnosis work, uh, a lot of regression work. You know there was She actually had suffered a fair bit of trauma. The other, we didn't do a bit. Uh, The way he was doing the problem was completely different. So at the end of the work, each one of them had completely solved their problem. But I'm pretty sure that if I had flip-flopped those approaches or I had been married to one approach has to work for everyone, uh, I think very likely one of my clients would have gone away happy. But no way, Uh, both
0: of them. So, I think that's interesting. And also, if there are people that are listening to this going, well, how did he know what to do with which
1: person? Uh, like, how do you navigate? Probably, um, I think I would say that he probably guessed. And found out that he was right or wrong and when he found out that he was wrong he did something else (laughs) and that process may have happened two or three or four or five times until he you know figured out what was what was actually hitting for the client Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm i'm very cheerful about uh about hit and miss obviously having done it for as long as i have you know, you get pretty good at picking up on the cues and the language and things like that, uh, that are, can definitely be signs for which direction will probably be most useful to go in first. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very cheerful about uh, completely tanking with an approach and then just turn diamond. Do something else.
0: I remember I spoke to someone, and I can't remember exactly which one it, who it was on the podcast on a previous episode, and they said something kind of similar. And they said people think that these, you know, top as a top change worker, whatever that may mean, that somehow, you know, we just have this great hit rate and that we're always getting it right. And he said, quite frankly, I'm getting it just as wrong as everyone else, but my recovery rate is probably better because I've got good at noticing quicker and altering course.
1: Yeah, yep. Yep, I would agree with that, and that's that's one thing I would say. Over the years, I've I've got better at that, uh, mm-hmm. and still, yeah, uh, there are definitely clients I can think of that I sort of stuck with one thing a bit too long, and yeah, probably should have probably should have switched back there. Um, but you know, it's 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 a growth process.
0: Absolutely, and then one of the things that pops to mind when you say that is this idea of you know some people say, well, I, I can't afford to to, to to tank because you know that they're paying for their time they're paying for the session but of course you have a very a, a very different way and almost a, a i haven't come across anyone that i know of in the therapeutic world to my knowledge that that has a charging framework in the way that you do it And i'm wondering whether you'd be
1: prepared to, to share with people uh what you do sure uh the way i structure things with clients is i charge a flat fee for a successful outcome So it's one we define a specific problem, it's one price to get that problem solved. So it doesn't matter if it takes one session or two or four or whatever it might turn out to be. If for any reason the work goes out as far as 10 sessions, I check in with the client. And if at that point they feel like they're making good progress, no problem. We keep running going until the problem's totally solved. If someone's done that much work and they don't feel like they've made progress, then I guarantee the work by refunding half, half the fee. Mm-hmm.
0: And I just think that is such a cool way of working. Uh, I think it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, and I did share with you when we've spoken previously that there was a small period of my life when I first started doing this kind of work where I uh, did a, a, you know, a, a pay by the cure essentially in inverted commas, you know, no change, no pay. And I found that, uh, Certainly, the way I modeled it, this was not working for me. I was going making zero money, and also I was not taking money up front. Uh, so there was then pain in associated with actually making the change because people would go, "Well, shit, if I change then'll have to, I'll have to hand over this money." you know so uh, so when I heard this and this way of working, and I thought that that's that's just so interesting, so presumably that there's money up front.
1: Yes, yeah. Payment is due uh, in full at the end of the first session, mm-hmm. and that is um, completely non-negotiable. And that's for a very specific reason. I don't like having, I don't like accounting, I don't like billing, I don't like chasing people for money. I want one quick, easy thing, and then the focus on money completely disappears. It's off the table And both of my cl- my focus and the client's focus, a hundred percent. I'm getting the problem solved the yeah. business side of it is just it's finished it's done so, yeah, so it's, a very, it's a very clean way to move into the work i find
0: well yeah and i, and I like it because it's it, it's not that I, I i didn't say what i'm about to say without making it sound like i think money is kind of dirty uh but if at the end of a session every session you have this moment where you're going and now now can i have the money
1: please i hated that it it just doesn't yeah. feel quite right Or the one that was even worse than that was, do you want to book another session? Because I know this person isn't finished yet, but it just feels, it just didn't, never felt very good to me. So Mm. yeah, that was another real advantage, not having to have that kind of moment at the end of a session. Yeah.
0: Now I can think of a bunch of very, very uh positive reasons why that's a that's a, f- a fantastically interesting model and could be beneficial Um just to play devil's advocate for a second one of the things that popped to mind and given this is the rapid change matters podcast is that does this not set people up or there's a risk that it it, it could then take longer than it might need to because they feel well hey i can just you know i i want to get my money's worth I i've paid this 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 amount and you know I really want to make sure I'm getting what I paid for, you know, so if I change too quickly, then, you know, maybe, maybe I was kind of short-changed.
1: Uh, I, think that's, I think that's possible. You know, I'd really have to sort of run the control group to be able to, you know, run a formal experiment to be able to see. But yeah, I think it's really possible, but I'm not that fun to hang out with. <laughs> So I think that there's, you know, people, most people, the, the, I'm sort of between my website and the conversations we have up front, there are people who want to come in, get their problem solved and move on. Mm -hmm. It's extremely rare. Like I can, I can really only think of one client who had actually surfaced that they liked coming here and wanted to kind of drag it out a little bit. And this is one in probably thousands at this point. Um, so yeah that might be a factor but even if it is it's okay because if that person feels better in making this change by going a little bit more slowly great i don't mind uh the way things are structured i'm already covered so it's my job to help the client make the change in whatever way is going to feel right for them and if that involves some more time i don't mind that's okay presumably they're going to walk away happier and that's that's really what it's all about
0: so what are the benefits of working this way that you've noticed
1: people commit yeah the results are better working in this framework uh the you know most people i think i actually no i shouldn't say that i was going to say most people uh expect they put. They think of working with someone like me is like working with a therapist, and I think in a lot of people's minds, oh, insurance pays for it, so it should be kind of free. Or if it costs anything, it doesn't cost much at all. Hmm. So when I put out a fee for people, a lot of times there's that oh kind of moment where like, whoa, I thought this was going to be a couple hundred bucks, and this is you know, I, I my my fees are not. Um, uh, well, it's all relative, but for a lot of people, the numbers are high enough that it gets their attention. And once we've got their attention at that level, I think at some level, people are saying, wow, do I really want to solve this? And once people are in at that level and they've committed, and it doesn't matter if we have a session or two that doesn't go very well, it doesn't matter if it's a slower process. People have committed, they're invested. And as a result, uh, I, just see, I just see more clients succeed than I had uh, back when I used to just charge session by session. And to me, that's, that's the bottom line. That's the most important thing. You know, the more, more people I can help succeed, the happier they are, the happier I am. Mm. I think
0: one of the, the beautiful things about it is that it allows uh, for something that we, we've talked about before, and I think I really respect about the way you operate, which is a uh, thoroughness of, yeah. of working. And look, you know, I think, uh, you know, we've had people, I think there are probably people out there listening that can relate to this. You have someone who there may be 70% there, they're 80% there, but they know they're not a 100% there. Their problem's still a little bit. But it's, it's gone enough that they're not motivated anymore to kind of do the final pieces to really make sure. Absolutely. And yep. uh, it feels like a big ask, doesn't it, to go, well, you know, now I need X amount again to take care of this little little piece. So I think there's a lot of people who end up doing some good work, but the, the, the thoroughness, perhaps, is not as it could be. It doesn't best serve the client.
1: That, and that's a big part of the reason. There was one client in particular who I spoke with, and she said she was able to put a number on it. She said her pl- her problem was about 80% solved. But... Ah, uh, you know, to spend the extra money for the last twenty percent. It just it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that big a deal to her. And to me that seemed like such a shame because it was to me it seemed pretty apparent that if she just did a little bit more work, she'd be a hundred percent clear of the problem. That ties into another aspect of the framework, which is all the work that I do is guaranteed. So what I'll see, it's rare, but once in a while I'll hear from a client. Four years later, five years later, and some other little part of the problem has come up again. And I really love the idea that there's no hesitation on their part at all. You know, they've already paid. They give me a call. They drop me a note. They come in. I've never seen the extra uh, piece of work be anything other than one session. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually it's because they went into some situation that we couldn't test for when we did the original round of work and something else got triggered that needed to be, needed to be addressed. But I love those calls. I love those emails because it's that idea that we're really getting things solved completely. And even if something comes up down the road, no big deal. We've got to mm-hmm. take care of them.
0: But it also answers the, the, the ethical question of, you know, if you, if there's an idea of something that you're not sure is going to work or you're trying to practice and create new tools, uh, amplify your own skill set, then it gives you a little room to do that without feeling like, Hey, you know, they're paying for you to learn. It, it's all built in you're taking the time you need
1: absolutely yeah yep I, there was something that that
0: i remember i was I, I was being a little bit devil's advocate with you when we last spoke uh, about this model because I, I just kept thinking of questions going oh that's interesting but what if this and what if that and sure. i and i asked you a question and i loved i just loved the way you you, you responded to it so I'm, I'm wondering whether I can even artificially recreate that moment. But, you know, because um, I said to you this, I said, listen, imagine someone came and saw you, for example, for a dog phobia, because they were attacked by a dog when they were six years old or something. And you sort it out and that gets sorted and fine. And seven, eight years later, after seeing you, they've been fine. They get attacked by a, a different dog. They're just unlucky. And one could argue, well, that's a different problem. It was a different dog. It's... uh you know, surely, surely it's not the same dog phobia. It was a different trigger. It was a different input. And I said to you, you know, so what would you say at that point if they rang you up eight years out? I've been attacked by a dog again. And you just said, well, come on in. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yep. And yeah, with, with, with no hesitation whatsoever. Uh, again, I really like the idea of one place to go to completely get the problem solved
0: and you used some analogy um i think it was like the was it was a five-star hotel or ah yeah and yeah, I, yeah. And yeah i just thought that was such a it really helped me understand how you see this process and what you're, yeah. you what you offer
1: yeah and i see it as very much like um uh, really high-end hospitality whether it's a hotel or a restaurant or whatever it might be in that their job is just to make you happy just to do you know whatever whatever it takes to make sure that you leave really feeling really happy and like you're treated really well and working in this kind of structure uh provides the the kind of the elbow room to to do that and I think there's a lot of people out there who that's what they want. They, they want a really uh, high-quality experience, and they don't mind paying for it. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's very much the way I see this. It's a little bit like um, – I don't know if you have uh, over there in the UK, but we've got a company over here in the States called L.L. Bean. Mm-hmm. And they had been famous for a long time for they would take <coughs> any any return. If there was any kind of a flaw in the product, it didn't matter if it was 10 years later. Uh, they would take it back with a smile and give you a new one. I just heard recently that they've changed that policy. But for, I don't know, 50 years or something like that, uh, that had been their their kind of model of customer service. Mm. And that's uh, that's very much the way uh, I like to think about things.
0: So, Brian, how do you go about setting an outcome with someone um, that is clear enough that it, it can't be fudged in terms of You know are they are they there yet
1: sure uh what i do is when uh people call me uh usually they found me on the web uh they call and the first conversation is usually a pretty long one i really want to understand what's going on with the person and at some point towards the end of the conversation i'll uh sort of um Describe what I hear as the problem that they're that they'd like to solve the outcome that they want to accomplish uh, Usually they'll take whatever I've said and kind of modify it a little bit So by the end of the first conversation, we've got a, a very clear version of the outcome uh, Verbally and then once we're moving forward from there The first thing I have people do is to write up a brief outcome statement uh, just very brief, very simple, two or three sentences description of what we're going to accomplish in the course of doing the work together. Uh, oftentimes that statement will have things like, okay, right now when I go to get on a plane, on a scale of one to ten, if uh, you know, ten's a panic attack and zero is fine. Uh, right now I'm a nine. And at the other end of the work, I'll be somewhere between a zero to two, maybe the occasional three if there's heavy turbulence. You know, as as much as possible, I really like to help people um, uh, be very specific about things. And I think that actually helps as part of solving the problem, getting really clear on it that way. Uh, yeah, so that's that's basically basically how I do it,
0: how we do it. But what I'm hearing is that there's an element of realism as well that you, you help – nudge them towards for example i mean i had i had someone who wrote said to me I, when i said what would you like to have happen what would you like to, to to change he said well i want to rid myself entirely of all anxiety and stress now
1: and forevermore
0: <laughs> if if
1: he said that to me i would probably uh wish him luck yep and i i hope he finds someone who's who's skilled enough to, <laughs> to help him do that because i'm not going to be his guy
0: well, yeah. well, there you go, because I'm in my head and I'm thinking to myself, okay, so you get this outcome and I'm thinking, crikey, that's going to be quite a few sessions. You're probably going to be seeing that guy for life if, that, if yeah. that's a, his outcome. So it, it, there's there's got to be, and it was interesting, is it, it, that example uh, of the flying that, you know, it might be at this level when I'm flying, but it might be a little bit higher in turbulence. There's an acceptance that that's, it may be an okay response to have.
1: Sure. Yeah, and what I, what I emphasize with people is that I'm usually pretty good at helping people get into a normal range with things. Uh, and sometimes it'll be a long conversation to help them understand the difference between normal and some kind of absolute, perfectly anxiety-free, perfectly thin for the rest of my life, you know, that, that more sort of uh, absolutistic stuff that some pe- sometimes people will have. Mm-hmm. That's often part of the problem in the first place.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I also think it's very helpful, that mentality. It's a much more centered, grounded approach. Um I, I mean, if I t- reflect on my own uh background, when I first started doing this kind of work and going on these amazing training courses and seeing some of the leaders in the field do a 15-minute demo on stage, and some part of me would go, wow, that person had a 15-minute personal one-on-one session with that amazing change worker well, their life is going to be forever, the most <clears throat> perfect thing. And just kind of having this realization one day of, well, yeah, because they had 15 minutes with that guy doesn't mean that life is not going to throw up some challenges now and then. Yeah, yeah. And that there's an, there's an element of normalcy, you know. Do you, do you think there's a dark side to personal development, this idea that we're led to believe that, you are always in control of your emotions at all time or that you always have a right to feel a certain way to feel positive and empowered. And you just have to to, to, to believe it and then you can achieve it. And this there's kind of a sort of let's pump you up with total good feeling and anything less than being on top of the world and juiced up on life 100 percent of every moment of every day, then maybe you aren't worthwhile as a human being.
1: That's absolutely true. I've always felt that way, Howard. Oh yeah.
0: Oh oh, shit. Oh no. I might need to come and see. I don't know what
1: your problem is, but that's how I am. Uh, no, absolutely. Okay. I I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, that really kind of rigid, kind of wild eyed, super positive all the time. Um, I think some people can, can get pretty far in that direction, but, um, I don't, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think that uh, um, it's sort of normal. I, I guess I kind of hesitate to use that word. Nice. Uh, and you know, is it as far as is it is there a dark side to that? Uh, I don't know. I'd have I guess I'd have to ask that wild-eyed, super positive all the time, great attitude, you know, every single day person because if if they're feeling good about it okay you know i i couldn't argue with that uh but it would seem to me uh i I'd, I'd be curious about how sustainable it would be for most people mm-hmm. i guess would be the the bottom line but if somebody somebody's doing that type of work and that's the way they feel great
0: yeah yeah, I think sustainable is, is, is the right word. And that's always the question that I have in my head, which is, is it sustainable? And if it isn't sustainable, when, if, if they fall from grace, as it were, do, do they
1: fall pretty hard? That's the thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, the person who I think I've heard who does the best job talking about this is uh, Michael Neal, the, um, mm, the, I know the Michael. principal. Mm. Uh, yeah, he talks about this a lot. And I think he does a, uh, a nice job of uh articulating some of um some of the potential sort of downsides to that type of thinking and how people can enjoy uh many of the same benefits without needing to kind of take things to that sort of extreme
0: yeah and it's interesting because this idea of extreme change um i tell you, I had someone that said to me, Howard, don't you find that when people change, they just sort of leap around and go, this is amazing. What an extreme change I've had. This is just I can now do this thing. But I didn't relate to that. That's just, you know, because for me, I, I want change to feel normal for someone, whatever normal, in inverted commas, is. Um So I'm wondering, do, do you have when people experience change and there are things that, that happen Do you have the experience that people sort of go, oh my God, this is amazing. I can now do this. This is just... Or just sometimes do they miss the change because it feels so normal?
1: More the latter. Yeah. Uh, And again, usually I'm not... um, I'm not doing the 15-minute session mirror, the 15-minute miracle kind of session. Mm -hmm. Uh, So usually it is a bit more gradual. And yeah, I think people usually seem pleased they seem happy but yeah i think it is uh a re, since it is a return to normal it's not like this great sort of shock that they're jumping up and down about uh, so i i don't usually see a whole lot of that are there any patterns in
0: terms of the type of people that come and see you um Patterns between the people that respond very well or very quickly versus people that take a little slower
1: to get there. Uh, I think I'd say that um, was probably many, many hypnotherapists would say the super left-brained analytical uh lots and lots and lots of internal dialogue uh low on the spiegel hypnotizability scale those tend to be the more challenging clients um yeah i think i think that's what those folks can take can take some more time uh the folks who are Really good at visualizing and responding to the pictures they make with body sensations, uh, high on the hypnotizability scale, folks, uh, usually tend to, uh, go, uh, go more quickly. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, not always, but just in, in broad generalizations, uh, I would put those, those two out there as sort of the, the two ends of the spectrum.
0: Yeah. No, it's, that's interesting. Um, I, and I'm curious, actually, to jump back and ask something that I, I wanted to ask you earlier, um, which is you'd inferred that you hadn't always worked with that that flat fee for the outcome model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long were you working with a different model, and what, what was that model, and, and what motivated you? When when did you go? You know, this is just not not right for me. I don't like this way of working.
1: I always liked the idea of a flat fee. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, the very first NLP training I did was with, uh, John Grinder over in London in 2003, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and he had said that that's what he does. And I think he does very, very little in terms of paid client work, but he's mentioned that when he does, uh, it's a flat fee for the change and he did i'm pretty sure i remember him saying this uh but he didn't see any other way or he saw that as the most ethical way to charge i'm pretty sure he used the word uh, ethical somewhere mm-hmm. in there and i always thought that sounded cool and it made a lot of sense um when i started uh i wasn't even close to being good enough to sort of explore that kind of a path so what I did was just did uh, like I think most other most other therapists hypnotherapists change workers do and just charge by session Uh, when I very first started I was completely free uh, to build experience Uh, I was the free hypnosis guy and I don't know if you guys have it over here it's uh, called Craigslist Uh, it's kind of an online bulletin board so I built a lot of experience there that I opened my office, began to charge, charged pretty low fees for a while, and then just saw some of the different sort of downsides to the uh, session-by-session models, which we've, we've talked about. Mm. And I had always had John's model in the back of my mind, but I had spoken with Jürgen Rasmussen, who you spoke with in an earlier podcast, we both know, and he had mentioned he, when he started, he did that uh, just the straight Uh, flat fee for change and was miserable with it and he told me the 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 stories of how how hard a way that could be uh, how how tough that could be as a way to to make a living Uh, so I heard that and heard from John and thought okay well how do I how do I split the difference here How how do I how do I correct for that flaw in the model and that's where I saw okay well we'll just do it a half fee So that way we're equally invested and the client knows that even if they don't get the change, they're not walking away with a full refund. So they've got some sort of skin in the game, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, I think I made the transition, uh, I'm going to guess and say 2005, maybe 2006, something Mm -hmm. like that. It was a while back. Yeah, I've been doing doing this for quite some time. It's a good
0: 10, 11 years working, working this way.
1: I think so. I'd have to. I'd have to go back and yeah. check my notes, but uh, I think it's something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. What I was finding was I was more invested in getting, in helping the client get the change than the client was. You know, I could tell that my enthusiasm, my sort of drive to really stick to this and see it all the way through, uh, was stronger than the client's and i thought that something's wrong here if i'm more serious about uh helping the client uh, feel better than they are about feeling better hmm. mm, this is not this is not good <laughs> and this was uh this was one way to uh, uh to correct for that because now anyone who i work with they're coming in and they are highly committed with very rare exceptions once in a while someone will uh, wind up working with someone who it's not it's not Quite the commitment commitment level isn't quite as high as they might like to see but for the most part I don't have that problem at all anymore and it was something I used to see pretty commonly
0: are there special dispensations that you would make if someone really can't afford it but they're very serious about the problem
1: no <laughs> I, I, I hate to say it it makes me sound uh, I'm sure all kinds of things to some of the different people who might lis- be listening mm-hmm but uh no no nope. people attempt to you know try to negotiate with me on fee and you know to explain you know different reasons and uh there's lots and lots of folks out there um who do broadly speaking therapy change work hypnosis so there's lots and lots of choice i'm just one of them so i don't i don't feel any obligation to change the way to change the way i, I structure fees uh, maybe maybe at some point i will but um uh, It hasn't happened yet.
0: Well, I I think what I'd like, and and certainly your website, and I've actually just brought it up now, is that, you know, right at the bottom of your website, you have find out if you'd be a good fit as a client. Yeah. I.E. it's accepting that, you know, listen, it it just might not be right for you. I might not be the right fit and that's okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, I you know, in a lot of ways, as much as the, my website is there mm-hmm. to help people understand what I do. And as you know, as a marketing, a marketing tool to drive sales, it's also largely there as a filter mm-hmm. so that people know up front that, you know, I think a lot of people, their expectation of hypnosis is, oh yeah, that's the place you, all you have to do is go in and the guy makes you go to sleep for a while. He says some good things and you wake up and your problem solved. I want to make it really, really clear right from the beginning of the conversation, so to speak, no, that is not. That is not what I do. Uh, I limit my practice to people who are really committed and really willing to work um, because the results are much better working with those folks. You know, the work it just it, the work goes uh, more easily and the results are better. So
0: Brian, can you give us a couple of examples, given that this is the Rapid Change madness podcast of people that have changed or experience transformations uh, fairly
1: swiftly. Sure, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example, and it's all there's also a little bit of a built-in counter example. Hmm. Um, I worked with uh, <laughs> worked with a client recently who came in with uh, an issue around studying and testing, and we did a session, and. I wish I had. I wish I had had a video camera rolling when she came back for the for the follow up. She just described these uh, phenomenal changes in her life. Not only was the problem completely solved, but she was, and she just went down this list of all these other really positive, really nice changes that she had made. And that's, you know, we were talking earlier about people jumping for joy. For her, it was almost. Like she was stunned, Mil- I would say mildly stunned that she could make changes that were that uh, sort of all-encompassing that quickly. This is after one session. Uh, so, you know, think fantastic. This is great. Uh, she came back the following week and, yeah, it was still just everything was great. And then the following week, ah, something started to creep back a little bit, and there was there was more to it. There was you know some other things going on, uh, so it was a bit more work to help her maintain the the change that she made. Uh, so as much as. Uh, as much fun as it was frankly, to see what had appeared to be the one session miracle kind of thing, you know, just, mm. just amazing change. Uh, even then, you know, there was, there was still some other work to do, you know, to help her do, to really make it to help sort of every part of her, so to speak, uh, feel really comfortable with, uh, with the work that she had done. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that would be one, um, uh, one good example, mm. but I know a lot of folks and I listened to you I listened to a few back episodes of your podcast and I've heard some people talk about, you know, the amazing, you know, the 15 minute this and, you know, the problems totally solved. And I don't I don't usually see that. Uh, usually there's a little bit of work. And, you know, and when I say a little bit, I am think I'm you know talking much, much shorter timelines than most people think of when they think of more traditional therapy. Uh, but, you know, the old the bandler, you know, you've got a phobia and you've got three minutes to cure it. What are you going to do with the extra minute and a half? Uh <laughs> I I don't I don't find that I find that um, to really get something that's nice and gonna last in all kinds of different situations usually there's uh, there's a little bit of work there but still very rapid in comparison to I think what most people think of when they think of um, you know more traditional techniques more yeah traditional approaches
0: for sure do you think there's a distinction that some therapists or some hypnotherapists and NLPers, uh fail to make which is the difference between good integrative therapy that's lasting, that takes care of all of this thoroughness, and providing a good demo?
1: You know, I don't know enough about sort of what goes on uh, in other people's heads, their practices, things like that. Um, I know, you know... I love a good demo as much as the next guy. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of the amazing demos i have seen that the changes have totally, totally stuck and just integrated with the person's life beautifully and everything's been great. Based on my experience, uh, yeah, usually it takes a little bit more time than that. But, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe that's just a reflection on me. Mm -hmm.
0: But then again, you're 100 percent positive every moment of every single
1: day absolutely howard i'm, I'm glad we're, i'm glad we're really getting to know one another exactly it's absolutely excellent. absolutely
0: <laughs> um brian when when people change i mean uh, what do you think's really going on inside uh, is that like a, a framework or i've heard people say things like well like, i think they' you know they're shift they're making change to internal representations or they're they're doing other stuff have you got kind of something that in your head you're kind of working towards or it's very dependent
1: very dependent uh you know as much as i have made my living for a long time from you know working with the the unconscious minds uh of people and just you know what's going on deep in their minds their hearts their bodies uh I think a lot of times it's a black box and I don't know <laughs> what's going on in there. Uh, and I'm doing the best I can to help the person along to find their own path. But I've absolutely seen people make changes that I never would have anticipated. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen people who I would have completely expected to make a change based on what we had done and pff, absolutely nothing, no change whatsoever. Uh, so I am just I do my best to be very loose and very flexible and just work with what I'm sort of getting from the client and trying to help them to take the next step that's really going to to feel good and to to work for them.
0: I, I like that. And so one of the themes that comes through is something that I feel quite strongly about myself, which is, I'll give you an example. Someone said to me the other day, Howard, as a, as a hypnotist, as an as a, as a trained NLP, do you find that you, you really kind of understand people more? You know what they're thinking more? You know what they're, that motivates them more, and and I kind of found myself saying, actually, on the contrary, the more I've <laughs> the more I've learned, the more I've the more I've realized, I, I literally have no clue. In fact, the better I've got at that kind of stuff and change work, the more I'm convinced that I really don't know anything that's going on outside.
1: Yeah, and the nice thing in doing the work is I can guess, and sometimes the guess will be really useful. It'll be spot on, and it'll save us a lot of time, or. Maybe it'll be wrong, but whatever they say gives me an, the impression that, oh, actually, maybe this might be the way that might be best for them to go next. And you kind of throw that out and see mm-hmm. what the response is and take it from there.
0: I think it's interesting, isn't it, that some people have that kind of uh, view, though, that you know, if you're good at these things, that somehow you can see into their brain their deepest, darkest secrets. And I mean, obviously, I can, obviously. Yeah. You know, obviously, <laughs> we all can, but yeah. But it, yeah, well, it's, it's interesting how, how and why that, that sort of perception has arrived.
1: Well, it's funny because I've had, I've had people in my personal life tell me stuff like that and, um, you know, I don't know. I think, uh, I think, you know what I think I, where I would guess the impression comes from is that doing this work, uh, we get in the habit of paying attention mm-hmm. and I think that can sometimes feel to people like you're looking sort of deeply into them and perhaps seeing, uh, more than you actually are
0: (laughs) yeah i also wonder whether it's just that when people know what you do for a living that anything you say uh it when you when you hit the mark with something they go oh my word yeah in in a different way so they have confirmation bias essentially they're filtering for all the stuff you get right and forgetting about all those times that i i totally messed up and (laughs) totally misread the situation because i am just a human
1: yeah yep i agree
0: um, if there are people out there and they're listening and they're, they're thinking, right, what, what books would Brian recommend? And you've already mentioned, you know, the, uh, the very light reading that is the entire works of Milton Erickson. <laughs> um, have you got any others that, uh, that spring to mind as being you know, two or th- two or three books that, you know, would be interesting for people to get stuck into?
1: Sure. Uh, I would always recommend, uh, Jürgen Jürgen's books Jürgen rasmussen's uh provocative hypnosis mm-hmm. and provocative suggestions he's been by the way a tremendous influence in my my thinking in uh in doing this work uh mm-hmm. i think he's brilliant just a just a really sharp guy and uh fun to hang out with too absolutely uh so i'd say yeah Jürgen stuff um i uh hypnosis and hypnotherapy uh, Cal Banyan and Jerry Kine, uh, very simple, straightforward uh, approach to aggression. You know, obviously based on uh, uh, Dave Elman's stuff, hypnotherapy. Uh, but I found that to be a really useful book, especially um, especially getting started, where a lot of the NLP and uh, Ericksonian stuff seemed a bit kind of. Uh, kind of hard to really get to work dependably uh working working with clients. That's and again, that's just my experience. Uh, but the 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 Jerry Kind book um really uh really helped me along a a lot uh, early on. Uh I would put that out there and beyond that, now boy, all kinds of stuff. I guess probably uh, Transformations, uh Bandler and Grinder. I really like that book. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'd, I'd go for those. And those are top top three or four. Excellent,
0: excellent. And yeah, th- thoroughly. I, th- there's one there that I haven't uh, read before, which is the uh, the hypnosis and hypnotherapy. So that's going to be on my uh, my Amazon shopping list very shortly. Um, yeah,
1: if you, if you've read hypnotherapy by Dave Elman, hmm. it's m- pretty much mostly the same stuff. I just happen to read hypnosis and hypnotherapy first, hmm. and I probably. Liked the presentation. I found the the presentation of the information was a bit more accessible mm-hmm. uh, for me than hypnotherapy. But I think uh, in terms of the actual content, really similar. Yeah, pretty pretty much the same stuff. To the best as best I can hmm. remember them.
0: Excellent, Brian. If people are listening in and they're thinking I like the way this guy sounds, how can they find out more about you? Where can they go?
1: Ah, uh, BostonHypnosis dot com. That is my my web
0: presence. Fantastic. Well, we're going to put the links underneath the episode. Uh, and also underneath uh, this episode is the rapid fire round. So if you want to know how Brian fared in those uh, eight questions in two minutes, you can click down below if you haven't already seen that. Um, the final question, and uh, Brian, and just no pressure, but this is always the moment where people come out with the most amazing stuff
1: i think all my stuff is amazing howard but please go on
0: <laughs> is uh when you when we talked about you coming on the rapid change matters podcast uh is there anything that uh you thought would come up but that we i just haven't asked directly that you'd like to share
1: uh no i don't think so uh no it's been a pleasure to be on here um saying hi to uh anyone i know who i've met along the way at the different trainings uh that i've been to over in the uk who might be listening not a whole lot of good folks over there but beyond that um no not too much cool
0: well i've i've really really enjoyed it and uh I, it, it's been a lot of fun chatting to you as we've approached uh this uh conversation too and getting to know you a little bit and uh yeah it, it's been absolutely fascinating and hope uh, all of our listeners uh, as well have found it uh, as interesting and as thought-provoking and may may go away and begin to think about some of the the pros and cons of working in the frameworks that we do.
1: Yeah, and if ever, if anyone has any ever has any questions about it they're welcome to drop me a note or give me a call. Fantastic.
0: Well Brian, thank you so much and uh, thank you again for your time.
1: Yeah, thank you Howard. It's been a pleasure. Really good to get to meet you.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did why not share it with anyone you think might be interested and even head over to iTunes to give us a glowing review. You'll find more about what's coming up on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rapid change matters hyphen podcast. And of course, you'll find all the links related to this episode, plus those upcoming live events that will help you hone those change work skills.